Well, hey friends, it's so great to have you join us today. My name is Clay Munkus, and I'm the lead pastor here at Next Level. And today we are kicking off a short series called Sweet, well, we're actually going into the second part of a series called Sweet Little Lies. And last week we talked about the lie that a lot of us have bought into, that idea that just a little bit more will make me happy. And we exposed several small lies that are inside that one big lie. And then I had you do two simple things you can do to overcome that lie, and you can watch that message online. Well, today, I want to talk about another lie, but I want to start by doing a little survey. I thought this would be fun, all right? I want you guys, um, wherever you're at, you can raise your hand, you can say yes, whatever. Uh, if any of these categories apply to you, right? And I want you to wait till the end, and uh, don't, don't say yes or raise your hand or do anything until we get through all these different categories. So here, here they are. If you have ever had a project around the house that you needed, you needed to do, but for whatever reason, you just couldn't get around to it. All right, that's one. Second one, how many have ever had a phone call or an email that you needed to return, but you just kept putting it off? Okay, next one, if you've ever delayed a doctor's appointment because you're afraid something might actually be wrong. All right, another category. If you've ever been late to an appointment, right? Or been late to a next level church service, right? That's probably everybody here. <laughs> if you've ever gone shopping for Christmas on December the 24th, how many, right? Or waited until April 15th to mail in your taxes. Another category, if you've ever put off going on a diet because it wasn't Monday. <laughs> or have you ever meant to do something, but for some reason, you never got around to doing it. Are any of those true, right? Are any of those categories, have you done that, right? Say yes, raise your hand, whatever, right? I think all of us have been there. How many of you have been meaning to get around to procrastinating, right? And you just haven't got there. Anybody? All right. This is a really big deal. Now, let me tell you the lie that I want to talk to you about today. And the lie is this. I can always do it later. I can always do it later. And, uh, you know, that, that, that idea, well, I'll, I'll just get around to it. I'll get around to it. I want to talk about what I, might th what I think might be the single most dangerous word in the English language. And, I, and believe it or not, it's actually found in the Bible. There's a story in Exodus chapter 8 that really illustrates this. Now, let, let me set this up. This is a time period in Exodus chapter 8 when God's people, the Israelites, are held captive. They're, they're slaves, slaves in Egypt, like, just like we talked about last week. They're being forced to work. Right? They're not being paid, and they want to be free. God wants them to have freedom because God is always about the story of freedom in, in human history. So the Israelites, they've been slaves for four centuries, like 400 years. And God raises up Moses, who's going to lead the Israelites to freedom. But first, he somehow has to convince the Pharaoh of the importance that he needs to let the people go. Now, understand... The Israelites, they don't have any bargaining chips, right? Moses has no leverage whatsoever against Pharaoh. Pharaoh has no reason to want to let go of a free labor force. So God gives Moses some bargaining chips in the form of these things called plagues. And there were all different kinds of plagues, and you can read about all those. But one of the most interesting of all the plagues, and actually how it uh, was told out in this story, is found in Exodus chapter 8. Starting in verse 6, let's just read this account to you. So Aaron, and Aaron here is Moses' brother. So Aaron raised his hand over the waters of Egypt, and frogs came up and covered the whole land. But the magicians were able to do the same thing with their magic. They, too, caused frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. 
Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and begged, Hey, plead with the Lord to take these frogs away from me and my people. I will let your people go so they can offer sacrifices to the Lord. You set the time, Moses replied. Tell me when you want me to pray for you and your officials and your people. Then you and your houses will be rid of the frogs. They will remain only in the Nile River. Look at here. Do it tomorrow, Pharaoh said. All right, Moses replied, it will be as you said. Then you will know that there is no one like the Lord our God. And here's the key word there, tomorrow. Tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. Now, if you're me, when I read that, my first thought is, what is Pharaoh thinking? Like, why wait until tomorrow? The Bible paints this picture that frogs are out of control. The frogs are in the palace, they're in his bed, they're in the houses like his own people prayed, and more frogs showed up. Frogs are everywhere. Yet when Moses says to Pharaoh, hey, do you want me to get rid of the frogs? What's Pharaoh's response? Well, let's do it tomorrow. We'll, we'll do it tomorrow. Now, why would a man put off into tomorrow what he could have resolved Today, why would you spend another night with the frogs? Why would you do that? And if you look really carefully at Pharaoh's response, it's really not all that unusual, is it? I've done this. Uh, many of you have done this. In fact, you've already admitted that you've done this. We've watched other people do this. We settle for another night with the frogs. This is what I call this right here. It's the someday syndrome, right? Someday, one day, you know, I, I'll get around to it. So someday, one day, I'm going to quit complaining, right? Someday, one day, I will become grateful. Someday, uh, I, I'm going to get in shape. Someday, I'll slow down and I'll actually start to enjoy my life. Hey, someday, I'm going to get serious about my relationship with Jesus. Or someday, I'm going to get organized. Or someday, I'm going to take some risks. Or, you know, one day, someday, I'm going to become generous. Or one day, someday, I'm going to actually tell the people in my life how much I really care and love for them someday. Not, not today, but someday. And I think many of us spend our lives waiting for someday. Someday when I graduate. Someday when I get married. Someday when I have kids. Someday when the kids move out of the house. Someday when I retire. It just goes on and on and on in the situation in Exodus chapter 8 is just perplexing because Moses says to Pharaoh, you don't have to live with the frogs anymore. You just say the word and they're gone. And he doesn't do it. He puts it off until tomorrow. Why? Well, he's a little unsure that he wants to let go of his free labor force. And I'm sure he's thinking maybe maybe if I just wait if I wait, the frogs will just go away. Maybe the frog fairy will come along and make all the frogs disappear. Maybe something will happen, and I won't have to do anything about this. It's all just going to go away. Right? Ever been there? And I want you to get this, because this is really important. Pharaoh learned he could live with the frogs. Pharaoh learned, you know, I can just live with the frogs. Another day, I can live with them, and it'll work its way out. He learned that... What, what John Orberg says, and I love this, one of my favorite authors, he says this. He says, Pharaoh learned that he could tolerate a frog-saturated life. Now, my guess is, uh, as we get a little deeper into this over the next few minutes, what some of you are going to discover is that you have learned to tolerate a frog-saturated life. Pharaoh did. 
It wasn't a great life, right? There wasn't a lot of joy in it, but he learned that he could survive. He actually prefers it to what would happen if he repented and the change, like losing his labor force and all that, would need to come. And I think when we buy into this lie, which a lot of us have, this lie of one day, someday, it leads us to a life that's dominated by procrastination. And procrastination is the failure to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. It's the failure to do the right thing at the right time. And for most of us, the problem is not that we don't know what to do. Right? I think it's safe to say that all of us are educated far beyond our obedience. It's not that you don't know what to do. It's not even that most of us had deliberately chosen not to do what you should do. The real problem when you boil it all down is that we just don't get around to doing what we already know we ought to do, right? So with the time we have remaining, I want to give you three ways, three things that God gives us as a way to push against this idea of procrastination. Because I've learned that God wants us to take action in the moment, right? And to do that, he gives us some prompts, God prompts. Again, I don't think that most of us choose that we're going to deliberately disobey what God prompts us to do. I think of a lot of times we just don't get around to actually doing it. So here are three ways to push against that kind of procrastination. Three ways. Number one, give up perfection. Give up perfection. I know that one, for some of us, is going to be really, really hard. Because one of the strongest links to procrastination is perfectionism. Right? It's called the procrastinating perfectionist. And that's a lot of us. Right? You're procrastinating perfectionist. But 90% perfect, hear me here, 90% perfect and taking action is always better than 100% perfect and stuck in your head. Uh, look at this verse that the writer of Ecclesiastes writes. Ecclesiastes 11.4. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. And that's what some of you are doing. You're waiting for the perfect condition. You're waiting for the perfect day. You're waiting for the perfect plan. You're waiting for the perfect reason. You're waiting for the perfect person. If you wait for perfection to pursue, it will always paralyze you. Always. And it's true. If you're, if you're waiting for the perfect scenario, right, you're always going to be waiting. You're never going to pull the trigger. So give up perfection. Second way, is to buddy up. So if you want to push against procrastination, buddy up. And here's what I mean by buddy up. Uh, I, I, what I mean is you, you get some kind of like prompt that happens in your life, right? I believe um, that these ideas that, that God delivers, I believe they come from God. You get a God prompt, and when I get these God prompts in my life, I try to share them publicly as quickly as possible, right? When, when I feel God's inspiring me, leading me to do something, the first opportunity to get, I share that with a somebody, or even sometimes I share that publicly at church. I'm going to do that because it provides accountability in my life. Right? I need a buddy in that. Because the longer I stay quiet about something God has prompted me to do, the more likely I am not to do it. Right? The longer you live with a God prompt, the more content you become with not following it. And I've learned that in my life, when God prompts me to do something, if I keep quiet about it and I don't tell anybody about it, the more days, weeks, months, or years that pass before I take action, the more content I become with never doing anything about it at all. So 
I have buddies. I have four or five people in my life that when I get a God prompt, I go directly to them. You know, I call them, I go to them, I send them a text, and I know that is all that it's going to take, right? With these people, that's all it's going to take because they're going to follow up with me. They're going to say, hey, that idea you were talking about a couple of weeks ago, what are you doing about it, right? It just gives me a great way to stay action-oriented. So I call it buddy up. you got to find somebody that you can share these God prompts, and then they can help hold you accountable. So give up perfection, right? Buddy up. And then the third thing, ruthlessly prioritize. you got to ruthlessly prioritize. you got to decide what really matters. The reality is this world is going to tell you what it thinks is most important. If you pick up any magazine or follow anyone on Instagram or Facebook, they're going to tell you, right, you need to do this. You should be eating like this. You should be exercising like this. You should be doing this in your free time. You should be parenting like this. Listen, the world is going to consistently and constantly bombard you with what they think you should be doing. But at the end of the day, you have to be the one to ruthlessly prioritize what really matters in your life. And for me, what I want is a life that really reflects my values so that when people look at me, they know what's really important to me. The Bible talks a lot about this idea of prioritizing. Let's look here as the psalmist wrote this in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. He says, teach us to number our days. Why? So that we may grow in wisdom. How do you grow in wisdom? You number your days. In other words, you have to get to a place where you realize life, it doesn't last forever. You realize every day that you have is a gift. It's a gift. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. And if you've bought into this lie of, well, you know, I'll do that later. I'll I'll do that tomorrow. I'll get serious about that later. You're fooling yourself. The Bible says you have to number your days because every day is a gift. And you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Look at the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3. This is a really important text. It has a couple of things that I want to point out, but it starts in verse 13. So the writer says, you must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be, be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. So this passage is telling us really clearly, listen for God's voice. And when you hear God's voice, act on it now, today, not tomorrow. Don't say someday. Today, you listen to the voice of God and you act today. Then it talks about this idea I was describing a little bit earlier when I talked about the buddy up. This passage backs up what I said, that the longer I live with a God prompt without acting on it, the easier it is for me to ignore it. The way this writer describes what happens is this spiritual principle that some people will call hardening of your heart. Over time, what can happen is God prompts you. And if you're not obedient to these prompts, you develop this hardened heart where you don't hear anything from God about that thing anymore. And you might begin to think, well, God's just not talking to me anymore. 
But it's not that God isn't speaking into your life anymore. It's not that God doesn't care about who you're becoming. It's just that over time, your heart just gets hardened. And the verse says, hey, when God prompts you, you need to respond to that today, right now. Because if you don't, over time, what happens is your heart gets hardened. So right now, as we wrap up, I want to ask you, and I'm asking this as your pastor, as your friend. I'm not trying to stir up trouble in your life, but I want to ask you a question. Is God prompting you to take action on anything in your life? Is he asking you about anything? Are there any patterns? Are there habits that you see in your life? And you just felt lately like God is saying, hey, you really need to do something here. Maybe it's in your marriage, right? Uh, maybe you feel kind of stuck in your marriage. Uh, you're, you're not getting divorced. Right? You're looking around, all your friends are getting divorced. You're not getting divorced. So you feel pretty good about that. But the marriage is not what you thought it was going to be. And, and sometimes you go, if you were honest, like days or weeks, or, or God help you, you've gone months without really talking about things that matter. Like nobody's calling a lawyer, but you know, you, you've just learned. You've learned that you can live with the frogs. You learn to be okay with an average marriage. And you know there's things you could do about it. Like You could have a conversation with your spouse. God is saying, hey, maybe you need to go to counseling. You feel like God is saying, hey, talk to some friends about it. But you've just learned to live with the frogs. You learn to live with it. Or maybe for you, there's some unforgiveness in your heart. And you have this grudge that you're holding right, against your parents or a grudge you're holding against your brother or a sister or a friend or the in-laws. And from time to time, you're prompted. And God says, hey, I want you to pick up the phone. I want you to call them. And you're prompted to have a conversation. But you just think, hmm, that would be so difficult. So in reality, you've just learned to live with the frogs. You've learned, look, I, I can live with this grudge. Like, I don't like feeling like this, but I've learned, hmm, it's not optimal, but I can live with it. Or maybe it's a sexual addiction, and you just keep going back to the computer over and over and over, and you feel so guilty about it, and you know it's not the life that God intended for you to live, but you've learned, well, you know, I mean, I can just kind of manage that guilt, and you've learned to live with the frogs, right? You don't like it, but you're, you're making it, kind of, and you've learned that you can just live with it. You, you think, tomorrow, I, I'll, I'll deal with that whole thing tomorrow. I, I'll, I'll take care of that next week. Maybe it's not any of those. Maybe it's a, a pattern. It, it's some habit that you have or it's an attitude. And it's just leading you away from God. And there's no joy in it. It's not making your life more loving or it's not making you more patient or caring or a serving person. You just learn that you can live with it. You learn you can live with the frogs. And again, maybe it's a pattern of deception. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a judgmental spirit. I don't know what it is for you. But if God is bringing it to your mind as your pastor... As your friend, I am asking you, will you act on that? How about take some action today? Stop saying tomorrow. Maybe today, give up your excuses. Maybe today you say enough is enough. And through the power of Jesus, I'm going to do something about this. I'm, I'm going to make a phone call. I'm going to get some help. But I'm not going to say tomorrow anymore. If that's true, I want to be able to pray with you. So let's do that right here. Let's pray. God, I believe that right now uh, you're moving in people's hearts. I believe that you're prompting people um, with something they need to do, something that they're dealing with. And, and it's something that they've been putting off. 
It's something that they've said, hey, tomorrow, tomorrow. Maybe they've said it a hundred times. They've said it a thousand times. And God, today, we just want to be obedient to when you speak. So we need to respond. All right, we need to hear your words today while it's still called today. God, I don't want anyone's hearts to be hardened over time. God, if there's an attitude, a pattern, a relationship, anything that you're prompting me to take action on, I pray today that people will do that. That they'll take whatever that step is, whatever they need to do. And maybe their first step is just saying to you, Jesus, I, I can't do this. I need your help. Maybe after that, a second step is telling a friend, just having a discussion with someone that might be able to help. God, what I know at the end of the day is that, that for all of us, we want to be the men and the women that you created us to be. And if there's something in our lives that's holding us back, I pray today we will not say tomorrow anymore. Today we will say, God, with your power, with your strength, I'm going to do something about this. Today, God, I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to send that test message. I'm going to send that email. I'm going to have that conversation. We're going to do something about this. God, I pray that you would help us consistently to know, to number our days. God, help us realize that every single day is a gift from you. We're not promised tomorrow. Help us to take advantage of that. And we pray all of that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining us today. If you think today's message might be valuable to somebody you know, would you mind sharing this video? Not only could it be helpful for them, but by sharing this content as well as liking and subscribing to this channel, you are helping us accomplish our mission to raise the reputation of Jesus. And like I say, every single week, uh, could I ask you to head over to our website, nextlevelchurch.org. There's a button there that talks about, you know, give. It's a green give button. If you could click that button, and choose one of those giving options there. Your support keeps things like this and keeps messages going like this so that we can help people raise the reputation of Jesus where we live, work, and play. Well, now by way of benediction, let me end with something that Jesus himself said in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15. Let's re-read re -read this together. Remember what it says. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. May you recognize that we're not promised tomorrow and that every day is a gift from God. May you listen to what he says. May you take action today. And may your heart not be hardened to the voice of our Heavenly Father. Amen. Hey, next week we are going to continue. Actually, going to wrap up our sweet little live service. Love to see you live here in person at 10 a.m. Why don't you invite someone to join you, and we'll see you here at Next Level. Until then, have a blessed week. I'm praying for you. I love you. Have a blessed week.